It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And Jeremy McDermy, John McDermott. Hello? Thanks? Perfect. You got that one just right. I'm clean, everyone. I promise. (laughs) Paul told me to use it. So I, I, it took me a moment there to remember what it was. But I got it. So you're welcome, Paul. He's going to stop listening right now. Why would you ever do anything he tells you to? You're your <laughs> because own Because we make fun of him. We make fun of him enough on the show that I feel like I owe him one every once in a while. But that's, that's his fine. one for like the year. Yep. So now we can rib on him. Carson, go for it. Take All right, now. guys. Content time. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, uh, right. We're continuing. We're continuing our series here in ship types. Uh, we're coming to the end here. We've already talked about heavy fighters, light fighters, utility ships, battleships, and interceptors. So we just have two categories left, elite fighters and today's topic, ordnance. Do you like rolling a lot of red dice? Yeah, I don't either. But <laughs> uh, some people do, and so they like these ships. <laughs> Green dice are really where the adrenaline starts pumping, and, and that's what's fun. But uh, usually these ships do get to roll a lot of red dice, or they're dropping some extra cardboard that you don't normally get to see. So today we're going to talk about all about the ordnance ship type, uh, what those look like. There's actually not that many of them, and at least one of them appears all over the place. Um, but we'll break that all down for you, what they are, their characteristics, and how they're represented in each faction, or not represented. Yeah, so let's get started. All right, so whenever we do these ship type episodes, we always start to, uh, before we look at specific examples, we want to break down the characteristics that define this ship type. So there's a couple main categories that distinguish ordnance ship types, uh, but far and away the lead one is how they do their offensive output. Yeah, I mean, ordnance, it's in the name, offense, offense, offense. That's what these ships are all about. Um, and they have a ton of ways to modify their offensive output you know, through missiles, torpedoes, devices, turrets, cannons, you name it, they got them all. Um, That's what these ships are all about, just a diverse array of options to increase their damage output. And a lot of the offensive output from these ships is based on those secondary weapons, Um, because for the exception of one ship, which we'll cover later, all of the ships that fall under the ordnance category have a base attack value of two red dice. Yeah, so this separates them from other ship types like the heavy fighter or like battleships, which usually do have those higher attack values. Um, And these ships are known for their offensive output, but it's usually not coming from their primary weapon. Usually that's kind of the weapon of last resort, where after you've kind of gone through your munitions, you're just using what you can to put damage out. Um, They really focus, though, on the early parts of the game. A lot of times, if they're using things like missiles or torpedoes, um, those things tend to front load a lot of damage and put the threat out forward. But there's also other secondary weapons they use. So some ships use turrets, others use cannons, and the most different type probably are the ones that use devices, a.k.a. bombs. Hey, you can front load that damage, but then you can also reload it. You know, just keep the damage coming. A lot of these ships also have access to like the different upgrades that can allow them to have combat bonuses. Um, so many of these ships have, you know, maybe some sort of mobile arc. So you see a lot of them that have the gunner upgrade. 
Um, some of these ships can also take crew, and I think one of the ships on this list can also have a couple different options for the configuration slot. So this far and away, um, the offensive output, the way they do damage, really is what defines these ships, um, and th- which is why we say ordnance as the name of the ship type, because that's really what's uh, drawing it. Um, but there are also some other characteristics that we see across all the ordnance ships. Um, they actually have low to mid-level agility, so usually one or two agility dice, and then they have kind of mid to high hit points, uh, which is kind of similar to the heavy fighter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like exactly similar to the heavy fighter. They have, you know, comparable survivability and gameplay wise, you know, that fits a similar role. You know, this stat line of a decent amount of hit points with one or two agility backing it up is designed to weather a few attacks. That's exactly what these ships want. You know, they want to be just survivable enough uh, to be able to fire those missiles or torpedoes that do cost a lot of points. You know, you want to be sure you get paid for that investment. Uh, but you don't want to pay too much because you still want to be able to take a lot of these things. Um, so you can pack a lot of punch. So it's just survivable enough for what it needs to do on the table. And what's interesting about that high hit point count is that the ratio is a little more even on both sides uh, in hull and shield values. We saw a lot of shield values come down in second edition to make the damage deck a little bit more viable. Um, these guys have, you know, kind of like an average of two to four which, you know, for a ship that only has, you know, maybe six to eight health, to have half of it be in shields um, can help mitigate that crit damage and keep them on the table longer. Yeah, I mean, it helps prevent them from getting that really crit- the bad critical damage early on that just completely destroys their ability to function. Um, there are a lot of comparisons, though, comparing this ship to heavy fighters. I think one of the main areas it distinguishes itself is that these uh, ordnance carriers are often quite a bit cheaper than heavy fighters, and a lot of that cost comes in um, limitations to when they can do their damage because they tend to do their damage at different times than heavy fighters. So heavy fighters are pretty uh, have a pretty even damage curve throughout the game. If their primary output is just three attack dice, um, that often feels the same. At the start of the game, the mid game, or the late game. Whereas, you know, if you're doing missiles or torpedoes, that tends to be really effective early on when you have the opportunity to set those up. If you're doing devices, that's going to be happening during movement. So you're going to make those decisions differently. So a lot of times, ordnance carriers are cheaper and the cost comes at they have different windows for when they can do their damage. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can build out these um, ordnance platforms to be, you know, comparable cost to the heavy fighters and. Uh, you know, they'll have comparable damage output, you know, over the course of the game. Um, it's going to be more spiked for the ordnance ships. Um, but, you know, part of that lower cost is you got to pay for these munitions, um, and they usually aren't that cheap. Uh, missiles and torpedoes are pretty expensive upgrades. Um, and so, you know, you need to strip away the points from the chassis. You know, that's why you have that lower base attack platform, so you can have room for these expensive weapons. And in order to make room for all the stuff you have to actually load out on them, because, you know, if you're running a heavy fighter, you don't necessarily need to load those out. So if you have an arc or an X-Wing, um, those ships function pretty well on their own with minimal to no upgrades. Um, so you're going to actually, in order to get the cheaper value on the ordnance fighter so you can afford all the munitions, you do lose out on some features um, that other ships tend to have. So you you have things like a dial that's usually a little bit slower and a little bit more restrictive. So you'll have fewer blue maneuvers, more red maneuvers, and, you know, your, your speed might catch out or you don't have high speed turns so there's probably going to be a limitation on your dial somewhere now but tim some of these are like the fastest ships in the game what's up with that 
<laughs> Silence. Nothing. <laughs> yes, Carson, they are, because a couple of them have access to the slam action. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving all this in. This is great. Um, honestly, actually, we didn't really have this argument before when we were writing the notes, but I think slam is just an inherently overpowered mechanic. I think it is kind of an exception here. Yeah, I mean, the same thing holds true for the dials. I mean, especially the ships with the slam action. They have really bad dials. You're an overpowered mechanic, Tim. <laughs> a slam's fun. <laughs> I like no, slam. slam's great. And I, I, I think it's it's interesting because it's more of a... Uh, because where we see it is, right, it's on the uh, Alpha-class Starwing. We see it on the K-Wing. Um, and those ships use it more as a feature of the ship, not so much as a feature of ordnance ships. I think they just both happen to be ordnance ships, right? It's more just a trait that those individual ships get to have. Well, and speed isn't really um, that much tied with maneuverability. Like, yes, those ships can go fast, but they do still have a semi-limited maneuverability, you know, especially when um, we're in the scrum of things. Like, they don't have that many options. Ships with slam don't really have repositioning options um, outside of the slam. And a lot of these other ships, with their repositioning actions, um, they're often red. Yeah, it's kind of funny with the slam action too, where the ships that can slam are often like some of the most maneuverable, but in terms of looking at their dials, they usually have the most restrictive dial. Right, but even the ships with slam, like, yes, they can go fast and in some cases, you know, just dance around everybody, but that's only in like pretty specific um, arrangements. Like you don't have the same level of, you know, short, um turning options that interceptors have you know modified with their boost and barrel rolls you can do a lot tighter maneuvering with that um the slam is more of a feature for you know just getting in there really quickly um firing some munitions and then running away to reload so that you don't have to deal with um any fight where your maneuverability would be a limiting factor so generally when you're looking at ordnance ships and you look at the action bar um, all of the ships that fall in this category have native access to the lock action, which comes in handy because they want to have the ability to shoot off those secondary weapons. You know, the missiles or torpedoes usually require uh, the target lock to be had on the enemy ship before you can fire it. So access to that lock action is a big key for these guys. And, and I know that, you know, a lot of ships in X-Wing have the lock action. So it's it's not like such a specific feature to this category, but it is very much a prerequisite. Um, until I mean, until we get a ship that really only does things like devices, um, they're going to need to have the target lock action so they can have access to all those munitions that require that as part of the cost of attacking. Um, the other thing you'll see, too, is the reload action shows up a lot. Um, that, that shows up on a couple other fighters outside of this category, too, but there's a lot of reloading you can do in this category, and obviously that pairs very well with having access to missiles and torpedoes. And I think in a lot of ways it makes those upgrades feel different because if you throw like a proton torpedo on an X-Wing, you get two charges and that's it, right? So that'll inherently feel different than when you throw it on a Y-Wing where you could theoretically get an infinite number of those. Yeah, and I think, you know, the focus on these actions, the lock and the reload, which are so important for um, these ordnance ships, you know, does tie with the mobility. You know, these ships are actually kind of fast. They just don't have that tight maneuvering. Um, and so they have the speed to you know, get into range and get out of range so that they can set up for the next pass. You need to set up those locks. You need to take the time to set up and reload your ordnance. Um, and to do that, you know, you have to get out of the fight. 
uh, or you're not going to be around to fire that next round. So looking at the overall features here, um, obviously the thing that defines most the ordnance category is that offensive output based on your secondary weapons. So either that's torpedoes, missiles, cannons, turrets, or devices. Um, mid to low agility with the high hit point count, similar to heavy fighters, but they pay those costs somewhere else to have you know access to the same a similar stat line. Um, and then just limited maneuverability and a couple of common actions uh, really help define them. But let's get into how each faction handles ordnance. Sounds good. Uh, and there's it's it's funny because there's only what uh, six different models and nine different ships. That's a whole lot of Y wings. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> a third of the uh, selection about is Y wings. Yeah. So we've mentioned the Y wing a couple times, and that one's kind of the quintessential ordnance ship. You know, you see. Uh, two attack dice, one agility. Uh, depending on the variant, you see, you know, five or six hull, and then two or three shields. And most of the time, you see this ship coming with some sort of torpedo or device attached to it. Yeah, and the Y wing is just a great quintessential ordnance ship. You know, it's got so many upgrade slots and a really cheap platform, so you can kind of go crazy with whatever you want to spend your points on for the Y wing. You know, of course, the torpedo slot's great. You can give it some bombs. It's got a turret, you know, gunners. Of, of course, one of the standout upgrade slots for the Y-Wing is that Astromech slot. Um, and one of the few that has access to the Astromech slot for Ordnance ships. Yeah, and, and in terms of, like, the Rebel flavor being put on an Ordnance ship here, it really does come down to that Astromech slot. Um, you have a decently high amount of hit points, so Rebels also like protecting their pilots a fair bit. But the Astromech slot is really the Rebel flavor that they put on this one. Because, um, I mean, you know, looking across the board, the flavor has to kind of come in interesting ways for all these factions because Ordnance ships are kind of Ordnance ships across the board. There's not that much variation. They usually have access to some kind of device and or some kind of missiles, torpedoes. And that's since that's the main way to find them, um, there's not a lot of variation in that across the factions. Um, looking at our list, I think the Y-Wing is also probably the slowest of the Ordnance ships. It's got the fewest blue maneuvers, of course, particularly the Republic Y-Wing, but we'll get to that one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got just that red barrel roll. Of course, you can modify its style with the Astromech, so it does have that going for it. But I think overall, when we look at the Y-Wing, I mean, it's just, it's got so many options. Um, and of course, all the Ordnance ships have a bunch of options, but the Y-Wing, you know, the base chassis is pretty bland, um, but you can, you know, spice it up however you want. Also for the Rebel faction, you have the K-Wing. Uh, we mentioned slamming earlier, and this is one of the two ships in this category that has the slam action. Um, and uses that to its benefit. You know, they drop bombs and they slam around and they've got access to those missiles and torpedoes. They also have that native bow tie arc too, um, you know, for when they need to reload. Um, they can keep their arc kind of, you know, wherever they want to and, you know, maybe take some shots with their primary gun uh, and then have that front arc for their secondary weapons. And obviously the K-Wing has access to slam, which uh, really helps compensate for its very limited dial. I mean, when you look at this thing, it still shocks me, right? Like you have one straight, one banks, three straight, three banks, and then just all the basic twos, and that's it. And not a lot of blue there either. Um, really, where I think where the Rebel flare on this ship comes in is in having access to the crew slot, because I actually think this is the only one on our list that has just the crew slot, right? Um, they have the gunner slot too, of course, but um, you have access to all those great rebel crew cards, which the crew cards are kind of a feature of the rebel faction. Yup. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, because 
the Y-Wing and the K-Wing feel like very different ships. But when you look at them, there's really not that much different. Uh, I mean, yes, the slam aspect of the K-Wing and its dial, because it has slam, is dramatically different. But stat line-wise, they're not that different. You know, the K-Wing has a baseline turret. Um, whereas the Y-Wing, you have to pay for a turret. But that's about it. K-Wing has a few more upgrade slots. And so many of the Ordnance ships on our list are really inexpensive. K-Wing's definitely on the high end. Like, this is definitely, you're investing a lot more. You get a lot of features, you know, two device slots, crew and gunner, bowtie firing arc, but you are going to pay a minimum of close to 40 points for this thing, which is definitely on the high end for an Ordnance ship. Yeah, and I guess, you know, one of the standout features for the K-Wing is that double missile slot. Um, we'll see a few Ordnance ships have those, um, you know, so you can take cards like Barrage Rockets, which is a powerful uh, munition for sure. K-Wing is also on that new medium base too, which kind of gives that slam action the edge for this ship because it makes it just that much faster than a small base ship with slam. Yeah, yeah, a three bank with a medium base slamming into another three bank gets you pretty far. So jumping over to the Empire faction, uh, we'll take a look at a very different bomber compared to the Y-Wing here. Of course, talking about the TIE bomber. Yeah, and this one is really different. Of course, you know, we have the six hit points uh, instead of the eight backed up by two agility, uh, but no shields. So this is quite an exception for an ordnance carrier already. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because in my mind, you know, when I thought about like what is the quintessential ordnance ship, I immediately thought it would be the TIE Bomber just because that's so iconic um, in the Star Wars lore. But yeah, the fact that it has no shields really is an exemption. This is something John pointed out to me when we were prepping the notes for this show, where that like the shield thing is a big part of the ordnance category, and only the TIE Bomber and the Hyena class don't have any shields. So the TIE Bomber is an outlier in that, in that dimension. Now, you do see it on the table quite a bit. I mean, 27 base points is a great starting spot for an ordnance ship. It means you get to spend your points on the great munitions. Yeah, and these things have some great options. They can get uh, a couple different missile slots. They have a torpedo slot. They have a device slot, and they have a gunner slot. So again, we're seeing the versatility that ordnance ships have. Um, really, what makes this an Empire ship is just the inexpensiveness of it. So Empire is known for getting the cheapest option and relying on good piloting, and you definitely see that here with the TIE Bomber. Another pretty cool ordnance ship that the Empire has is the Alpha-class Starwing, which I think has kind of been, I mean, not as much play in 2nd edition, I don't think, but it's, you know, it saw a lot of play at the end of 1st edition, and I remember specifically at the Denver System Open last year um, there were quite a few major vendors out there but uh, this is a very versatile ordnance carrier you know we see again the resurgence of the slam action this time on a small base um, but this ship has access to two different configs which give it a little bit of an edge um, it's got the os1 arsenal loadout which basically allows it to shoot its secondary weapon missile or torpedoes um, even while it has a weapons disabled token and then you see kind of the reverse. You have the XG-1 assault configuration, which allows it to do the same thing with cannon upgrades. Yeah, and, and this one's cool because the versatility comes from those uh, configuration options. Obviously, any of these ships, most of them have access to multiple 
kinds of missiles, torpedoes, devices, whatnot. So that's an inherent kind of versatility. Um, but the fact that this ship can do very different things, where you can go for that front-end damage with missiles or torpedoes and configure it that way, or go for kind of the long-term play with maybe an ion cannon and still have access either way to being able to shoot after you slam, uh, makes the ship really tricky. Yeah, I mean, the way they integrate these configurations with being able to fire you know, either the missiles or torpedoes or the cannons um, in sync with using the slam action is just, it's awesome. It's really fun. I mean, this is my favorite ordnance ship to play because of that reason. You know, I don't have to sacrifice that mobility and I still get to fire uh, the big attacks, roll all the red dice. It's a really fun ship. Just go all over the place. Um, and it's got uh, just a great action bar. It's just like everything's white. Um, so your only stress is from advanced slam. It's great. So this one's uh, been wrinkling my brain a little bit too. What do you guys think is the Empire flair on this one? What makes it an Empire ship? Because it's cool. And the Empire's um, cool. Well, you know, the same <laughs> thing we see with the bomber, that increased agility. You know, we here the Empire is most of what the two agility ordnance ships are. That was a weird jumble of words. Uh, most of the two agility ordnance ships are contained within the Empire. I guess that makes sense, too. Yeah, they're a little more agile. That's kind of the Empire's thing. Handling damage not through durability, but through evasiveness. Um, I don't know. It's just a cool ship that happens to belong to the Empire is kind of my thought on it. <laughs> so you agree with John? I want to say no, but I guess yes. All right. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, on paper, John's the second best X-Wing player on the podcast, so I guess I could trust Is the best opinion. one Paul? But only the third best Vader player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then lastly, on the uh, Empire side, uh, we the have the TIE Punisher, which is their high-end ordnance carrier. Oh, man, this ship is kind of crazy. It's one of the slower ships. I like to think of it as kind of the beefy five layer of TIE bombers, right? Because you have those five pods. Well, it's like five TIE bombers all stuck together, right? <laughs> no, I think it's more like two and a half TIE bombers stuck together. And we say TIE Punisher, but we really just mean red line. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly red line. Um, this ship's definitely on the more expensive end. You do have, again, an insane amount of options here. Uh, you have a couple device slots. You have access to a gunner and a system slot now. Yeah, I mean, survivability, this is one of the most resilient um, ships for the ordnance class. You know, nine hit points, that's pretty substantial. Of course, it's on a medium base, so it's a little faster. Uh, the dial's not great, but you do have access to boost, which is pretty unique for these ordnance ships, and on a medium base can take you quite far. Well, and since the release of passive sensors, too, that's really helped low-initiative ships that have access to the system slot when they're trying to deal with ordnance because, you know, before they were limited in that they couldn't get the target locks they needed to shoot. Now with passive sensors, they can wait till they activate to get those target locks and unload those early torpedoes. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Punisher, right, it's, you know, substantially more expensive than the other options. It is more survivable, and, you know, you do get some cool action efficiency with the link into the lock action. Um, but you have to really want these extra features, which, you know, when you're playing an ordnance ship, usually the most important thing is the ordnance. Um, and so a lot of times you're going to go towards 
the star wing or the bomber um, just because those are the cheaper options what's cool about the tie punisher too is like it doesn't have native access to a turret upgrade but it does have that gunner slot so you'll see people take the fifth brother gunner upgrade on this you know when you're throwing out all those extra red dice with your munitions having that extra crit damage go in there uh, can make a big difference all right, now we got to move on to our second Y-Wing faction here, Scum and Villainy, which was also, I guess, the second faction to get a Y-Wing, so that makes sense. Sure, yeah. I mean, the Scum Y-Wing, not very different from the Rebel Y-Wing. Uh, fills a very similar role, and that's okay. Well, not much to say there, so uh, yeah. Yeah, the only real Scum flavor we get on this one is access to the illicit slot for a Y-Wing, so you pay a little bit in initiative, but you do get access to illicit. Other than that, there's actually not much different to say here. I mean, the other ordnance shift for Scum is like considerably cooler, in my opinion. You know, we've got the Skurg H6 Bomber, uh, which I think is just a sweet ship. A lot of upgrade options. Pretty cool. It is really cool. Like, just aesthetically, it's just a really cool-looking ship. <laughs> yeah, I still got a bad taste in my mouth from first edition when these were just all over the place. So I, I, didn't, I don't feel like I ever got to fully appreciate like how cool the model and ship design was. Uh, this one is actually a little interesting in X-Wing design because in a lot of ways it feels like a heavy fighter because you have that uh, primary weapon value of three. But so many of the tricks that you want to do with this thing are dependent on it being an ordnance ship. Yeah, so the Skurg H6 Bomber has another kind of versatile build-out too when comparing the other ordnance ships. It's got access to a lot of the different ordnance options. Uh, it can take devices, it can take turrets, it can take a crew natively, or you can opt to switch that out for the Havoc title, which gives it the gunner slot and a system slot. Yeah, and definitely through those upgrade slots, we do see the difference of the Skurg. You know, this is also the one ordnance ship with a primary attack value of three. Um, so you're not modifying that direct offense. It's all kind of the indirect, you know, using the bombs, using the turret, uh, which makes the Skurg um, really fun to play on the table. You know, it, you're looking at the game a different way. Um, and that's always a fun challenge. And like the Y-Wing, it does have access to that astromech slot, so you can kind of kit that out however you want. You know, however you want your ordnance ship to operate, you can you can give it some extra abilities. Well, and one thing that's sweet, you know, with that loadout is, you know, a lot of these ordnance ships, they want to engage at range three, you know, because munitions, you know, don't give that range bonus. Um, so they have a favorable exchange there, and then they kind of want to get away. The Skurg just kind of wants to run in point blank, you know, blast someone with the primary attack or the turret. You kind of cover different angles and then get some bomb damage as you escape. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's very much the scum and villainy flavor you put on it, right? Because we know we know that like over on the uh, interceptor side, the interceptor for scum and villainy, uh, the fang fighter is way different in that it get, wants to get real close and aggressive and be in the middle of the fight. And here we see that it's an ordnance carrier that really wants to be in the middle of the fight to put out some massive damage. You know, and comparatively, I think compared to some of the other dials on some of these ships, like the Skurg actually doesn't have a terrible dial. You know, it's got a lot of white. It's got white turns, which is nice. Um, you know, it's got those slow one bank, one straight blues. Uh, but I just think it's really cool that this ship can like do the three talon roll too. I just like that maneuver so much. And to see an ordnance ship get one of those kind of non-conventional turnaround maneuvers is pretty sweet. Yeah, they are generally just limited to the K turns um, that we see typically. That's true. This is definitely a premium uh, ordnance carrier though, because even on the low end, we're looking at at least 45 points here. So this thing starts to get pretty expensive even before you load it out. 
I mean, it does have 10 hit points, so you got to pay for that. All right, so now we're going to get into the uh, sequel factions and talk about all the intricacies of their ordnance ships. So, uh, Carson, why don't you break down the resistance options for us for ordnance? Well, what I like about the resistance ordnance options is that it has so much potential. Um, really could do anything. It could cost any amount. Um, it could go really fast which is awesome. I really like that um, potential that's still there. But <laughs> it doesn't exist. And <laughs> it has just as many um, ordinance options as the First Order does. That's true. Um, so, uh, John, could you break down the First Order's ordinance options Yeah, I, I would just echo everything Carson said. You know, it's got so much potential, a lot of versatility. <laughs> um, but... Like I said, it but not quite as versatile. It doesn't um, exist. Not quite so, as much potential. Um, <laughs> it, you know, we talked in a couple episodes back about like how the resistance and first order take some of the things that their, you know, normal era predecessors do and do it kind of better. Um, but not this time. This time they just came up short and have nothing. So <laughs> rather than yet rather than do it better they decided just to not do it at all could you guys have made that more confusing about saying that neither of these ships have ordnance carriers i think we said it in the most fun way you asked us us to describe something that didn't exist so this is what you get (laughs) carson is giving me billy madison flashbacks here all right i assume that's a movie what you've never seen billy madison What? The Resistance doesn't have an ordnance ship? I don't know. Um, All right, so the prequel factions do have some ordnance ships, so maybe we should talk about those. Yeah, we can talk about another Y-Wing. Woo. Um, Okay, looking at the Republic. Yep, got a Y-Wing. That's it. And that's Um, it. I guess we don't really know about what the LAAT would be. We thought it was utility, but I guess there's the potential. fighter dude. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> it just ends sure. up being a light fighter a medium base light fighter because all our definitions will be wrong uh, the Republic of Y-Wing though is a little bit different I, I think it's more different than we see between Scum and uh, Rebels you actually see a stat line change and a ship ability added you actually have more shields now so it's a little less susceptible to crits from that side and also it has the ship ability where it can uh, convert a crit result when it's being attacked the first one to a normal hit result so it's less likely to take crits that way too and uh, Anakin flies it, so you get an initiative six pilot and force. <laughs> Three force uh, Which is a lot different than any other Y-Wing. This is my favorite of the Y-Wing variants. However, it does unfortunately have an oddball, which I think by default makes it worse than the other two oof, options. Oof, that's a big oof. I mean, I don't know. We're kind of dunking on the Y-Wing this episode. I don't know why. Like Aesthetically, the Y-Wing's one of my favorite ships, and it can be basically whatever you want in X-Wing, um, which is awesome. Uh, it just makes it hard to talk about on a podcast because it's it's whatever you build it out to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, this category is kind of like that, too. And the Y-Wing is the most quintessential of this category. All right. The last ship we actually get to talk about is different. Uh, over on the Separatist side, we have the Hyena Bomber, uh, which, again, like the Thai Bomber, all the ships that have Bomber in their name just don't have shields. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one does have bombs, so that's good. No shields. It's a big thing for the hyena bomber. Uh, this is definitely the least survivable of any of the ordnance ships. 
Um, of course, it does have that network calculation um, capability, which I guess also makes it the most survivable. I'm I really don't understand math in this game anymore. <laughs> um, weirdly calculate tokens like my favorite token just ruined math in the game for me. It doesn't make any sense anymore. But the ship's pretty awesome. I mean, it's super cheap, 25 points. You know, you're getting what you pay for. It's, you know, five hit points to agility. Uh, but it does have pretty good munition options for that really cheap price point. Yeah, it's weirdly, uh, the, I mean, it's the most streamlined of all the munition carriers. It's the cheapest by far at 25 points base right now. It has access to one torpedo slot, one missile slot, and one device slot. And just mods and configs after that. Uh, which makes it just kind of the most basic. Typically, you're probably not going to fill all those slots. You're going to pick one and uh, go from there and just try to get that off before uh, before you take that five damage. They look cool, though. Oh, they look super cool. Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, and they're a great complement for the Separatists, you know, just adding a little extra punch um, and at an affordable price where you're not, you know, losing in the number of ships you're taking. These guys are great. And they can park on rocks. <laughs> And honestly, I think, uh, yeah, that's always that's a good feature, as we know. I honestly think if we ever, I mean, if there is a points update eventually, maybe it'll, oh, maybe it'll happen after this episode drops. That would be nice. Um, if we ever see an increase over to the Vulture class, I feel like we'll probably start to see more play from the Hyenas at that point. Uh, hopefully they can bounce that value out. I feel like they probably go up respectively. Like, I think the relationship between the Hyenas cost and the Vulture's cost is at a pretty good point right now. What, Carson, can you hear that? What? I think I think I hear Paul crying. He's not even here, Tim. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to Facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. I actually put a video up on the Facebook page uh, doing commentary for a game, the last star championship we had in Minnesota. Hopefully not the last one ever. Uh, but I did a, like a half-hour condensed commentary video of that game so you could kind of see my thought process. So we'd love to get some feedback on that if you guys would like to see that more of that type of content from us. Yeah, I definitely want to echo that. I mean, if that is something that you enjoyed or want to see more of, um, give us some feedback. Let us know. Uh, I know there's a bunch of videos of me losing pretty terribly out there. So if that's something you want to see, I can definitely edit that and talk through all my great mistakes and you can give us that feedback if you go on itunes and leave the show a five-star review saying what you like and why you think other people should listen and if you want to support the show directly please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio tcx and becoming a supporter of the show today it really means so much to us and thank you to everyone who's already become a supporter again folks thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week I mean, I don't know. We're kind of dunking on the Y-Wing this episode. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why.